0: Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? It's excellent. Another day. Another day. It is really hot in Santa Barbara. We, we have like a risk of fire and them turning off the power and all the ants have come back out. So so I'm, I'm like slightly on edge because I'm watching all these ants um, right now, but everything is okay other than that. Same here. San Francisco is very hot.
1: Um, and there, there have been some fires that started, unfortunately. And so, not only is it hot in SF area, it's very smoky outside. So, just walking ten minutes
0: oh. really, really
1: affects your breathing.
0: Wow, we've like totally stressed people out now. With like, like, sp- we could do spiders. Um, we could talk about you know dark chocolate addiction. Like, we could, but let's just let it all out. We can let's let's think of some positive topic for the day.
1: Totally. Um, you know, I think a lot of people. Who are getting into a product job they're thrown right into it Um, and there's a lot of schools and boot camps and books you can read but it's a totally different beast once you start it Um, so i think we were just chatting about doing an episode on just what
0: you wish you knew before you started your product job i like that i I like it's hard because it's obviously easy in retrospect to think of these things but i i do learn when i see people write these about different things like I it was like had to do something with my blog and then someone wrote you know here's five things that you, you better watch out for when you start doing this and I was grateful they did that so I, I think I think we're, I think it's gonna be okay yeah
1: totally I think you need to be in the right mind frame to be accepting to hear that feedback and from what I've seen with product jobs you're kind of just thrown right into it and so you're looking for any feedback you can get and so these kind of retrospective things are helpful. Um, I can get started with maybe the first thing on my mind. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, before you get into product, you're thinking about, you know, being a visionary and you're like, you know, I'm going to be the Steve Jobs and you want to make a dent in the universe. Um, And then you can certainly make a huge impact, right? I think product roles are a great job to to, to drive that force, that impact. Um, But once you first start, you realize that, have you heard that phrase that says, You know, people start their own businesses because they want to be their own boss, but they end up now hiring 20 other bosses. Right. right? right, right, right. Um, I think that really, really does apply here. When you become a PM, you have all these bosses. And I wish I fully understood that that really I am working for the designer and I am working for the engineer and I am working for product leadership and I am working for fellow PMs that I need to coordinate my tasks for. And so you almost have these kind of mini-bosses um, you know, once you become a PM, that's probably the only analogy where PM is mini CEO actually applies. I hate that analogy otherwise. (laughs) Um, but it is true. Like when you're a CEO, it's a similar thing where now everyone that works for you is in a way kind of your boss. And you also have the customers as your boss and you also have, you know, your board as your boss. I think the same applies as
0: a PM. If I really understood that, um,
1: I would have taken it differently
0: when I first started. Well, What mistakes did you make because you did not understand that?
1: Well, you know, I tried to push for things, let's say on my agenda or features to get built. But what you realize is you're doing that through others. And what matters more is the system that produces that work, right? Like, um, Here's an analogy, right? If I want to get from point A to point B, if I want to swim from shore from one, you know, one island to another island, right? Um, it matters how you get there, right? So one way I could do it is just swim there myself. Well, I'm not going to be able to do many more swims because maybe I'm exhausted or I die, right? Um, whereas if I build a ship, right, it's much more than getting there. It's now my whole perspective of where I can travel change because now I have a ship. Right. That's kind of how you have to think of your role as a PM. Right. You're building a system. That system can be people. That system can be processes. That system can be how the team even thinks about the problem. But when you impact your product through your people, through your team, you multiply what you can do so much more. You just change the game. And that's really when you can be successful. And you know, the mistake I made is not realizing how much those relationships, those systems, those processes matter. Initially, I thought of them as kind of the means to the end. The team often is the end itself that will then get you those you know, actual product ends. Does that make sense? I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of more than makes sense. It's pretty inspirational, actually. <laughs> I wish more product managers thought that way, even really experienced ones. It does overlap, I think, with a lesson that I learned that I wish I had known because I didn't know how important communication was. You think about how things work in companies before you're sort of involved or before you're involved in your working life and you imagine you know, sending emails to people and then replying or you mentioning to someone you've got an action item for them or <laughs> for you, right? And there's all these ideas you have about communication before you get into the thick of it and once you're in the thick of it you realize just how important it is to connect to people and have those for lack of a better word crucial conversations hold your temper in a little bit try to understand what's going on trying to go one level deeper two level deep uh, you know two levels deeper and i think that that was a mistake that i made that I, I think is somewhat related because if your only goal is to sort of get what you think you need done You're going to, you're pushing everyone else. You're going to tend to communicate in one way. And if you see your role as a catalyst, as someone who's going to create the sparks or, you know, get the environment set so the sparks can be created, then uh, you're going to have much higher leverage. I think the mistake happens though, and this goes into the second learning I have very briefly is that if you're junior and you understand what you and I have just said about creating this system of whatever often it can have the actual reverse effect where people think that you're trying to manipulate them or you're trying to have a power grab by sort of uh, you know, figuring out how to influence everyone to get everyone to do what you want to do. I was thinking the other day about diversity and the fact with product management is if it only attracts people who are sort of sociopaths and can get influence people about what they want to do, and who can work 70 hours a week, you're going to miss out on a good chunk of people who could be amazing product managers, right? So with that in mind, I think the flip side of what I just discussed about the importance of communication is that if you take the communication thing and the catalyst thing to the extreme before you really have figured out the day-to-day craft, you can also turn people off. You can also... In- Get the impression or give the impression that you're manipulating people and that you're sort of not willing to do the day to day work it takes to make them successful.
1: Totally. And I've seen that myself in a lot of design artifacts and trying to teach people the purpose of them. Um, you know, when I talk about a design review or presenting design work, I call it doing a persuasive exercise. And people have come back to me being like, well, are you trying to persuade your team on the decisions you want? And no, that's not the case. It's more that to explain the different forks in the road, to explain what you've learned, you have to persuade people that these are actual issues, that these are actual forks in the road. And so all the techniques you use for persuasion, you know, really explaining things clearly, right? having a strong narrative so someone can even follow along so they understand where you need your help for right? It has a lot of similarities to persuasion. It's not purely informational, because I've seen some design reviews where people just, you know, they just said 20 things. And then the team's like, okay, how do I help you? Right? Why is this important? Why is this a big deal, etc. And so, you know, that's just one example of kind of what you were mentioning, starting as a PM, um, that, you know, getting the team together, having influence, motivating others. Yeah, it can be used for harm. And some people do overfit to that but it's a tool that you need just because that's how humans work <laughs> for 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 lack of a better phrase humans work through connection we work through you know team building we work through relationships uh, you know we understand better through storytellings and narratives and so it's about knowing kind of the game you're playing or you know and and how to use that to to get your work done effectively
0: yeah it kind of reminds me of the the third thing I was thinking about and I discussed communication. And then I said the sort of the flip side of like uh, sociopathic influence attempts, right? (laughs) That that never really work out well. But I think the third thing too is um, trying to figure out when you start out where to invest your time. And that seems like, of course, that's the problem. But what I would say is the mistakes that I would make is that assume that you're new to something and you don't really know where to spend your time. And that's fine. You're starting out and you don't know where to spend your time and you you know you're going to make some mistakes or not. But I would go so deep on some things when someone was saying, you know, you should present this or you should do this and I would lose days trying to get this thing together. And it was only when I started talking to people around me, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I, d- I do that in the twenty minutes before we have to present." What were you doing for the last three days? Oh my God, I was trying to, pre- you know, I was trying to get this whole thing done because everyone else was trying to get it done. And, you know, the the thought that I had there is that you're in this new job, you don't know where to spend your time. What I wish I had done earlier there was just. Rigidly, kind of time box some of the side projects that I was doing, and re- and and make sure that I showed them to other people and got feedback from them really early. And I think if I had done that, I would have saved so much time uh, that I had spent really working insanely hard on things and and work with the people around me to see if I was moving in the right direction. So the the upshot there is. When you're in an environment where you legitimately don't know where to invest all your time because no one has told you and you're new at it, um, aggressively, aggressively time box what you're doing and try to show your work to people. Because when you start out, you can be really nervous about showing your work, but wow, the the burnout that can happen and the time suck and and just you know taking all your energy out by spending so much time, it's it's not healthy and it's not really being very effective.
1: Yeah, I totally see that. And I think the two themes you really touched on there really spoke to me. The first one about kind of time management, and the second one about kind of sharing early and not being shy to kind of get early feedback. Um, you know, you'd be surprised, but people are happy to give feedback and they actually think that you're thinking about things more thoroughly if you actually ask earlier on. Whereas when you're in the moment, it feels like, oh, this is going to sound like a dumb question or people are going to think, I don't know the product. But the more questions you ask earlier on, the more you show iterations um, can actually make you work faster. And what I think, you know, both of these themes, time management and uh, getting early feedback tie into is this kind of idea of having boundaries and understanding kind of where you fit into the org as early as possible right? So one sense for time management and boundaries is, is is saying, like, you know, like you said, time box actions, make sure, you know, things don't go over time, or you don't say yes to too many things. Because if you don't manage those boundaries early, you set kind of a tone or brand for yourself, where people expect that to be your norm that, yeah, you know, they can take on all these extra last minute projects, right? And if you set your boundaries Early, then people know that no, that's not acceptable, and they'll know not to go to you for that. That impression really matters. And then on the flip side, around you know, working with other people, when you're asking people and you're making yourself even a little bit vulnerable, people are comfortable doing that for you too. So it's kind of setting that personal boundary that hey, I'm not here to just figure this out on my own, I need everybody's help. And so I find the people who start from day one very curious and not, you know, shy to ask questions. They set this boundary around how I expect to work with them. Um so so that really kind of stuck out to me. Have you found that as well in terms of boundaries? Maybe I'm using that
0: word too loosely. No, I think that boundaries could be applied in many things. I think you have to draw boundaries around your time, your attention. You have you have to create boundaries around conversations too so that you you're in the moment and you're present but you you know you you know the limits of that particular conversation it it definitely it definitely resonates i think that when people first join an amazing dynamic that happens even when you've been doing this for a really long time is that someone hands you that wonderful onboarding document and it tells you to go and talk to these people in the company and to you know, make friends with them and understand their world and do this. And this is a little bit about listening and communication, but one thing that people do, it doesn't matter where they are in their career is two weeks later, they've got their next project, you know, and they've only gotten through the first couple items of that onboarding thing. And they're so eager to try to please and to, there's problems that need to be solved and they're jumping into it and they're doing that, that they never fully understand how the business works. And who does what and how the place makes money. So it sounds kind of like a a simple advice for a junior PM. And and then obviously, for example, let's say you have a two-week boot camp when you start and you're going to have all these conversations. Great. But you'd be amazed how many junior PMs are just thrown straight into the wolves, straight into the, the thick of it and expected to just come up with this stuff. So one thing I think that's important when you start talking about boundaries is If you say to the people around you when you start, you know, I I have my own little onboarding plan. I'm going to go and talk to this person. I'm going to get that. And I'm going to learn how the business works by talking to this person in finance. And I'm going to do, you know, 20 customer calls. I'm going to do that. The thing I learned and the lesson that I I wish I knew um, then that I know now is people will give you like six months of leeway in any job. (laughs) And. You think that they won't and you think there's going to be tons of pressure on you at first, but for the most part, if you're generally with it, they don't expect you to just immediately come up to speed and start firing on all cylinders. So use that opportunity in the beginning to do the things that you should do to get acquainted before you jump in and try to solve all the problems. And I, I wish I had followed that advice in multiple jobs.
1: That is such good advice. Um, I know I'm very insecure at times, and I just want to prove to people I'm valuable. But the best way to do that is to do it in a way where you can ensure that happens. So taking that time, especially in the beginning, um, you know, something we do at Amplitude as part of all of our onboarding is we get people to do one-on-ones with not only their entire team, but leads of other teams as well, especially on PD. Um, and just those like one-on-one coffee breaks make such a big difference. And now you know you know someone you can talk to on the customer success team. Now you know someone to talk to on the sales team. Even for engineers that don't interface with them as much um, as as designers do, it's very helpful to get oriented. What else comes to mind, John, around around these things?
0: I think the best way to start with this is mistakes, because then you wonder what you could have learned from it. Oh, <laughs> and, exactly. and I think that. There is this amazing quality that some product folks have where they just keep all of their promises and they they dot their I's and cross their T's and they build a foundation of kept promises. The problem that I had, because again, talking to this sort of going to where the problem is and going deep into that, is that what would happen is that people would sort of forgive me for not keeping a couple of the promises because I was really moving the needle in the other area, right? And the lesson that I learned there that I would tell to sort of a junior person starting out is that you can always create fireworks initially where by doing all these things and people will give you a lot of, oh, well, you know, they didn't do that or they didn't follow up on that, but they did that amazing other thing. The problem is, is that comes back to haunt you. And you, you, when something, when things aren't going as great, You've lost that trust that you actually, you know, show up 100% in the meetings. You're giving people attention. You're doing what you promised to do. You're making good promises, and so I think that that's a that's a big thing that uh, you know being reliable has a ton of benefit over necessarily being completely flashy all the time and sort of very hot and cold. So I was sort of hot and cold, and it would be better to just. Uh, been reliable, and I actually extend that to things like meeting notes, and you know, doing what you said you would do, and getting that customer to come, and uh, spending the the time to get the presentation to look like you didn't just phone it in and do nothing. Now, I'd say that most junior people just feel they need to be amazing at everything, so you know, this kind of contrasts with the earlier advice. But figuring out how to set reasonable expectations with people and deliver on them, you're going to have to learn that eventually. So you might as well start early um, and see, see how it works out.
1: That is really good advice, especially that part at the end about not trying to be amazing at everything and not needing to be. That is just a hard thing to learn because not being amazing at everything is not being awful at everything, (laughs) right? And I think it's easy to think that, right? It's easy to think, well, if I'm not just killing it everywhere in every way, um, I'm doing really bad in, in every way. That's not true. You have to pick which battles you want to just be okay at, which battles you want to just survive through, and which battles you want to make a meaningful difference. Uh, You know, I remember this advice very clearly, uh, especially, you know, this is especially true at a startup where, you know, every six months, every year, if you're still alive as that company, the company has changed and your role has changed potentially. And, You have to understand what's now best for the company and best for you at that new stage. And so, you know, when we were at a smaller startup back when I worked at the voice assistant company um, that I was at, uh, you know, doing everything mattered. Right. And we got to a state where we were much bigger and we had more money and we could hire more people. And so we were still used to doing everything as the PMs at the company. And what that ended up doing is making our specific projects suffer. So I was working on one major project. The other PM was working on another. And, you know, from time to time, he would need help for me to work on those projects. Now, that inadvertently made my main project suffer. Even if it was a 10% less in time, it mattered, right? Because as a startup, you know, you need every, every few hours because, you know, you're trying to just make sense of everything. And so I remember getting feedback at at a performance review that, you know, you should have just not helped on those other things. And that was so surprising for me because I was like, well, how could I let those things fail, right? That's not a culture of a startup, kind of the right way to think. And they were like, well, if you actually let it fail, we would have learned sooner that we need to hire a third PM. But by you helping, it just got through at a lower quality and your project Finished at a lower quality, when in reality, we should have just hired an extra PM. Sometimes picking up all the dropped balls is a disservice to your company if it actually hinders how quickly you guys need to learn that you need to scale, right? If you learn that later on, that might actually have far more detrimental effects than just the quality of that project. And that totally changed my mindset because, you know. I joined the company when we were seven people, and I got this feedback when we were about 30 people. And that, you know, is not just three times or four times more people. That's like two, three more magnitude of of different levels of problems, if you will, right? The game is just totally different, right? Um, And I just didn't realize that. And you know, so to going back to your point, I know I learned that the hard way, right? Thinking of our mistakes, that you know, you don't have to be great at everything. You don't have to save every project. You know, and you have to understand the the stage your company is at. Otherwise, by you doing that, you might actually hurt the company. You might hurt the product um, if if you're doing it for too long.
0: It it kind of reminds me that this is a problem too for people who've been doing it for 20 years or whatever, (laughs) is that what real focus looks like can seem almost uncomfortable to everyone around and to yourself. And it only material and the value only materializes if you stick if you stick with it. Right. And so I think that back to that point that we made a couple of points ago, the the lesson there in me is that if I was to tell my earlier self, like, you think you know what focus looks like but try to say no like 10 times more than you're saying it, I mean, nicely, right? And then you'll actually find that you help in ways that make all those no's make sense to everyone around you. But but you just don't realize how many times you have to say no and then how many times you need to nicely say no when you're starting out. And that's especially hard with the power dynamic for someone who's more junior. You know, that's that's a really, really difficult thing. I know we're closing in on our 22 minute time cap or 25 minutes even. Um, how would you sum up today's chat? What, what's, what's the biggest message in the bottle that you would send? I think
1: the common theme I see around a lot of these things is take your time. Do things, even though you're, you know, you're supposed to hit the ground running, do things that set you up for success as opposed to just getting to what that success is immediately. Everybody wants to join a team and ship the the, the greatest and latest. And, you know, if that's the energy you come in with, everyone will on the team, if that's the energy you come in, everybody wants to hit the ground running and ship the greatest and latest features. And if that's the energy and the goals and motivations you come in with, everyone will want that from you as well that that will be their expectations and so just start slow take your time and really be you know strategic
0: about what will help you be set up for success that would be my summary what do you think yeah that's kind of spot on and and you know the obvious thing here is it's easy for us to say and because of that what i would add is that you you need to set in motion your own little sense and respond or inspect and adapt or OODA loop or whatever. You need, to, you need to get that introspection loop going for yourself. And you need to think about the healthy forcing functions or healthy enabling constraints you need to put in place. And if you can do that, I think that that's the, the thing you can do to grapple with a complex situation you've never really been a part of you know, talk to mentors, get their advice and do those things. But so much of it will seem new product developments, extremely complex. There's all sorts of connections. There's so much you need to learn. There's so much nuance and you need to, to get a, some level of mentorship going and then be some sequence where you can uh, put the brakes on, you know, every week or every two weeks or every day. Like what are your rituals on a daily Weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly basis for yourself, because in a lot of environments, no one's going to do that for you. You might have like your one-on-one or whatever, but that might not meet all of your needs. That might meet some of the other person's needs too. So, I think that that's one thing I would add there is, is how do you get your your own loop going to make sense of this this really messy situation?
1: Well, we hope this was helpful. I've got a fun game idea, John. If okay. You're down.
0: Yeah, totally. There
1: you- one a short one okay you had 24 hours that you could do a different job and you'd have to do it like full-time or whatever for that day Uh, and assume you would know kind of how to do it so for example if it was like drive a submarine just pretend you would know how to do that uh, and you wouldn't die or whatever Um, what would that job or career be because i've got mine in mind
0: why don't you start with yours so then
1: firefighter i mean what is more heroic than a firefighter. And ideally, and again, if the caveat is I don't die or whatever, um, like that would be so cool. Like putting out a fire is the ultimate, like bad guys versus good guys. The bad guys being the fire, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just so cool. Yeah. I would be a firefighter for,
0: I think that if I could, I would try to be a scientist on the day that they actually make progress. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think that the other days would be really good too. But there, there was yeah. that story about, uh, you know, the scientists who detected like the black hole or, or something, mm-hmm. and, and there was this look on her face of just such sheer joy about right. all that work paying off. And yeah. I mean, I think that if I could just arrange to be only there on that day, <laughs> the, you know, the the you know seven thousandth day, I don't know how you know old she is. Yeah, it might make sense no, she's probably been using it for 10, 15 years, so it could be a lot of days. Um, I would just arrange to be there on that day. Right. But that's kind of like the person who just ran runs the marathon for fun. You could argue that the smile would not be on her face if you just arrived that mm-hmm. day. Right? Like it would not yeah. you need you need the thousands of hours to be able right. to get in there so so I don't right. know yeah that, that's where I would be that's a great answer that's
1: really interesting
0: <laughs> well thank you all for listening please uh, leave us
1: reviews on iTunes and message us on Twitter with feedback um, and give us any topic suggestions for uh, for the next episode
0: and let us know uh, when we should drop the episodes because midweek can be a little hard Sunday is doable but you know people are maybe just with family and that's great that they are um, we're trying to think of a good good time of the week. I think we might try for Sunday this week, but we'll see for the next time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We tried Sunday last week and it seemed to be okay. Maybe we'll try Sunday this week, but um, yeah, whatever works, that's good. All right, talk to you soon, Tarek. All right, see ya. Bye-bye.